Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I dream from. Oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life. Oh, he is my song. Cause you are good, you're good.
Good morning, Living Water. One of the routines that I have in the mornings when I wake up and getting ready for Sunday morning church is, uh, besides the coffee, that's a very important necessity, uh, but I sit down at my computer and I just kind of catch up on the news, what's going on in the world today. This morning as I turned the computer on, I saw a picture that I thought was pretty cool. Show that picture real quick. How many of you heard this story? Um, airplane lifts off out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, if you're afraid of flying, please don't let this affect you. But that's an engine on an airplane, and it's on fire. And that's not normal. If you don't fly on airplanes, that's not supposed to happen. But uh, these guys on their way to Hawaii decide to just lift off, and everything's going well. And then all of a sudden, plane just starts having these problems. Can you imagine being the passenger in that seat taking that picture when that happens? And I saw another picture where a part of the debris was in front of some dude's house. Uh, down below and as I was watching that I, there's a video attached to it and I watched the video and and on there the video was you know had people in the plane and you it was just dead silent and they were coming in for the landing and the plane you know they, they're showing the engine there and when they come into the landing they, they make it safely down and then the, the whole plane erupts and cheers and applause and I thought wow what a great great reminder to me and to us of how important it is for us to come in safely for a landing. I think about the world that we live in, and you know, we take off and we're flying along, we got great hopes, great dreams. You look out the window and then something's not right. Um, and, and so you're flying through life and then things kind of start getting shaky and crazy. Um, and for me, Sunday morning is a lot like coming in for the landing, amen? I mean, the day, the week is hectic, and for you moms out there, you're like, oh, I totally identify. I had my kids all week out of school. The engine's on fire, man. I, I know what you're saying, right? You're just flying through there, and you're just hoping that you can make it safely for a landing. That's what I feel like when we come to church every week. It's like a safe landing. It's like the world was rough out there, but thank the Lord we made it. I'm here for another day. We can worship him. We can celebrate who we are in him and what he's done for us. And like that song, You Are Good, don't you know that if you were on the airplane that day, when that landed, if those people are in church today, they're like, you are good. Amen? Amen. So sometimes our perspective needs to be just kind of tweaked a little bit so we realize just how blessed we are to have a God that loves us, to be able to come to a place like this, to worship, to be able to visit with one another, and to hear from God's word. So are you ready for that today? Amen. Well, it helps me out when you smile a little bit. It makes me know you're not mad at me. So uh, let me see those smiles today. But um, I want to begin with a little word association game. So I'm going to give you a name of a Bible character. And then as I mention that name, you just say out loud, what is the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the name of the Bible character? You ready? Let's start with Abraham. Uh, that's kind of muddy, isn't it? Right? You're like, yeah, where do you start with Abraham, right? <clears throat> sacrifice his son Isaac. I mean, that's a pretty noble thing. And, uh, how about another one? Maybe a little easier. Uh, how about Moses? Okay, I heard somebody say ark, didn't they? <laughs> I totally preached a sermon one time. I went through the whole service talking about Noah building, I mean, excuse me, Moses building an ark. It was after the service, somebody came to me, you know that was Noah, right? I'm like, eh, that's so long ago, nobody remembers. So, <laughs> But uh, yes, Moses, I mean, the tablets... Mount Sinai, I mean, where do you go with Moses? There's just a lot of things there. Um, so let's make it a little easier, maybe. How about David? All right, uh, that's a pretty good one, right? David and Goliath, some Bathsheba. I mean, you know, there's a few things there that you, you remember about him. And how, how, let's make it easier. These are going to be the real quick ones. Ready? Ready? Um, Noah. Okay, I, I had to think about that because we just talked about it. Jonah. Man, can you imagine one day being in heaven? And running into Jonah, and they're like going, 
that's, that's him. Well, bait. I mean, whatever they're going to call him. And, <clears throat> and lastly, and I'll stop here. Ready? Daniel. Isn't that crazy that there's these, these big events that happen in their lives that kind of make us remember? I mean, pivotal moments in their lives, great lessons learned. But just, I want to camp out on this person of Daniel for a few weeks as we begin a new series called When in Babylon. Um, and the reason I chose Daniel is because I believe that we can learn some really important truths uh, from his life, his example. And here's what you need to know. That story of Daniel in the lion's den happened when he was around 80 years old. So he's an old man by the time he's thrown into the den of lions. And so I just happen to wonder, what about Daniel before the lion's den? I mean, what makes Daniel Daniel? What makes him stand apart? What, what gives him and equips him to be the kind of guy that can be thrown into the den of lions? And we're telling the story 2,500 years later still. I think Daniel's an interesting character, right? <clears throat> And so I wanted to take a few moments or a few weeks, if you will, just to kind of look at the life of uh, Daniel, a character study, if you will. Um, and, and so I want to begin with chapter 1, if you open your Bibles there, Daniel chapter 1. This first week, I want to ask the question, or I, I want to ask a question, I'll make the statement. If we want to um, look at Daniel's life, how does that apply to our lives? Uh, the first message is, take a stand for God. Now, how many of you know that it's important for us as followers of Christ to take a stand for God? That's what Daniel was known for, for taking a stand. Even in a culture that was not welcoming of that, I want you just to remember his story for a moment. In fact, let's just go ahead and read it. Is that, that, that okay with you? Read uh, the first chapter of Daniel. Hang with me. Here we go. Ready? It says, During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning and gifted, or gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I'm afraid of the Lord my king um, who has ordered them, you all to eat this food and this wine. Um, he says, if you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed to, uh, by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. Ugh. Daniel said, at the end of the 10 days, 
See how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the, the king's food. Then make your choice in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young man who had been eating the food assigned to the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom, and God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter required wisdom, requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the third, or the, excuse me, the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. Would you pray with me, Father? This is your word, and we acknowledge that your word is powerful. It has the ability to change our lives. And so I pray that as we approach this story of Daniel, as we take a fresh look at a story that many of us have heard for years, that we would, in, in fact, come with open ears and open hearts and open eyes to see what you might share with us today. Let us not close our hearts and minds to this because we've heard it, but Lord, let us listen to what you might share with us today and challenge us in your word. Father, we humbly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want you to think about for a second... Why the, why the series, When in Babylon? I pulled that from that phrase, When in Rome. You know what it means, right? When in Rome, do as the Romans do. Or what happens in Vegas? <laughs> what happens in Mexico stays in Mexico. It's this idea that when you're away from home and you're in a different culture, that you do what that culture does. So when in Rome, you do as the Romans do. And so you find Daniel and these young men that are whisked away. They're taken uh, captive to Babylon, which is about 500 plus miles away from home. And all of a sudden, they find themselves in a brand new culture. They're in Babylon, but they are of the tribe of Judah. They're Israelites. They're children of, of God. And yet they're in this foreign land. And so Daniel, that's why I love this story, because it's a beautiful picture of how Daniel conducts himself even in a foreign land. Territory. Now, you may be saying, Shane, all right, listen, I'll take note of that, and the next time I'm taken captive away from, you know, my zip code, um, I'll try to apply some of these principles of Daniel's life in my life, and maybe I can learn something from there and put it into practice. But the reality is, just as Daniel was in a pagan culture that was forcing him to accommodate to their system, to their culture, to their language, to their religion, he was forcing them to, to conform, if you will, to their pattern, we too live in such a hostile system. The word Babylon is used many times throughout scripture, several hundred times in fact, um, and more than just a place, a geographic, geographic place on the, on the map, it is a representative of a system that says we don't need God, we don't want God. In fact, Genesis chapter 10, Nimrod and those guys trying to build the Tower of Babel, they're going to build a tower that stretches into the heavens and it was going to be a, a, a tribute to man, we're going to make a name for ourselves, we don't need God. And so it's a picture of rebellion and of sin, and that's what Babylon stands for. And how many of you could say that in our country today, even in our culture today, we can see some of those things coming to pass? 
We live in a culture that's forcing us to accommodate. You know, 30 years ago, there were things that we probably stood just firmly on. This is my belief. Everybody believes that all is well. And then 30 years down the road, we're finding ourselves pigeonholed or put into a corner. And they're saying, you need to sit down. You need to keep your mouth shut. You need to accommodate our new beliefs or you need to conform to the new pattern. How many of you know today is a great day for us to realize our need to stand up like Daniel and to take a stand for the cause of Christ? So what does it look like to take a stand? I want to share with you three principles this morning. If you want to take a stand like Daniel, and I believe God wants us to do so, if you want to do that, here's three things you need to remember. Number one, make up your mind ahead of time. Now, I don't know about you, but I think this is probably where a lot of us get in trouble. So it's innocent stuff. You just make up your mind ahead of time when you don't. And then you get into a pickle. And usually after that, they're like, what were you thinking? And we'll say, I wasn't. I just wasn't thinking about it. And so we get ourselves into little issues and little binds. But, but I want you to consider Daniel as he's taken to, taken to Babylon. And he's been um, taken captive and he's put into this system to reprogram him, if you, you will. It says in verse 8, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself. The King James says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. Another version says, but Daniel was resolved or Daniel purposed. You know what that is? Uh, that word there, if you go back and just break down the Hebrew word, listen to this. It says um, to fix, to install or to establish in the heart and it sounds like something that's done ahead of time doesn't it so, so here's a working definition for us is to to think ahead of time or to make up your mind ahead of time and that's what Daniel did he's in this pagan culture but his mind was already made up that he was a child of God and he was going to do things according to his convictions as he was raised up and so he made his mind up ahead of time that he would not defile himself with the king's food. And I think that there's a, a lesson there for each one of us today when it comes to taking a stand in our culture is to make up our mind ahead of time. You may say, well, what does that look like? I said for years, we don't need to wait. Um, young couples, you don't need to wait till you're in the back seat to define what your boundaries are. You need to make your mind up ahead of time. Amen? Maybe you're in a group of people and every time you get together, the, the talk always turns to gossip. And afterwards, you're like, man, we just got caught up in it again, and I know it's not right. I know God doesn't like that. To make your mind up ahead of time might be able to say, you know what? We're going to get together later, and I know that when we do, it always goes south. So I want to make sure and make my mind up ahead of time. And if we go there, I'm going to just redirect the conversation to keep us all from getting into an area we don't need to get into. Amen? Or maybe it's language. I struggled for years with, I could cuss like a sailor back in the cable days, and it's something I fought for a long time. And I just remember um, many times wrestling with that, making up my mind ahead of time, saying, God, I, I'm going to go to this place, and I know what happens when I go there, so I'm going to put my head down, I'm going to do my work, and get out as quickly as I can, because I know that if I hang out in that place too long, I'm going to say something that I'm going to regret later. And so I learned to make my mind up ahead of time. It says Daniel purposed in his heart. You know what the Bible tells us today in the New Testament? It says do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. This world that we live in. This world that demands that we accommodate or we be conformed to its image. Paul says do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your, your mind. You know what that means? 
then we need to change our stinking thinking. That means we need to think about uh, what is let our minds be renewed. And it says that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We need to make up our mind ahead of time and maybe possibly can avoid some of uh, these, these things that we get into when we're supposed to make a stand and we don't. 1 Peter 1.13 says, So prepare your minds for action. Again, your mind. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the precious or the gracious salvation that will come to you when Christ Jesus is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Let's see. They took Daniel out of the kingdom, but they couldn't take the kingdom out of Daniel. So Daniel was uprooted, put into another place, and he purposed within his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's food. I think it's important for us to remember, if we want to take a stand today, we need to make up our minds ahead of time. And so all of us are going to go to work. You're going to get caught up in in, in your groups of your people and social. You're going to get talking about politics. All these opportunities come up. And if we would just simply say, I want to take a stand for God. I want to honor him with my speech and my conduct. And so I need to make up my mind ahead of time. And whenever I get into these conversations, be very careful what I say, how I respond. Because there's a purpose to my, my life and God wants to use me. I wonder if we really believe that today. Like Daniel taking a stand. We're talking about it 2,500 years later. He purposed in his heart. He, in advance, made up his mind that he was going to honor God even when in Babylon. This is so cool. Think about this. When you're a kid, and we had rules at my house that you wouldn't watch these movie shows, you wouldn't drink these drinks, or whatever it was, and you all had those rules. And then you go stay the night with your friend, right? And your friend's parents probably don't have the same rules. You're like, party. You go to their house, and maybe they're watching movies that you're not allowed to watch at home, but you indulge, and you go, and then you come back home, and you do the perp walk, you know? Moms are good at picking that up, and they're like, what did you do? I watched that movie, you know? And think about that, just making up our mind ahead of time that before we get there, we need to listen to the counsel, listen to the wisdom that God has blessed us with. In fact, I love Proverbs, and I want to read just a couple of things here to make up our mind ahead of time by allowing our minds to be transformed, listen to the counsel, listen to the teaching that has been given to us. Solomon writes to his son many of these Proverbs, and he's like, son, let me just... Let me tell you how to avoid heartache in your life. Listen to these words of wisdom. They will protect you. Listen to what he says. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would search for silver. Seek for them like hidden treasures. Uh, Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. And you will gain knowledge of God for the, the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He, he grants a treasure of common sense. There's something that's missing today. Um, to the honest, he is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair, and you will find the right way to go. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Wisdom will save you from the evil people. He goes on to say, wisdom will save you from the immoral woman. There's wisdom that God has given to us. And if we're going to make up our mind ahead of time, we need to heed the wisdom of God. Amen? 
Now, what happens when we don't think ahead of time? You're like, hey, what was I thinking? I didn't think this thing through. I've got plenty of those stories. I don't want to bore you with them, but I think all of us in here can admit that there's times in our lives when we weren't thinking ahead of time and we did some things and now we have regrets for those things. Uh, Proverbs chapter 5, on the subject of the immoral woman, he says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. I am trying to protect you. He goes on to say, don't go near. He says, stay away from her, the immoral woman. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor and will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Strangers will consume your wealth and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. In the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. You will say, how I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored all the warnings. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I have come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. If we want to take a stand for God, we need to make up our mind ahead of time. The second thing is, and I think this is equally as important, is know how and when to take a stand. Know how and when to take a stand. There are two there's this pendulum that goes back and forth and there are those on one side that take a stand for nothing they're not willing to take a stand for anything it's like hey just whatever y'all want to do it's fine with me just do you and i'll do me and everything's cool right don't take a stand and then you got others on the other end of the pendulum that take a stand for everything everything is a battle everything is a need to take a stand and i don't think it's wrong to be opinionated about a lot of things but when we take the authority of scripture and we use that as our ammunition can i tell you that we lose the opportunity to be influential around the people that god has put us around if any of you've been raised in a legalistic church before some of you women wearing pants right now Mm-mm, not you can get by with that 20 years ago not in the church i came out of Long hair. Oh, how many of you noticed the bass player on the stage? (laughs) Red hair, red sweater with an American flag on it, and red checkered shoes. That's my son. I'm proud of him. No, I really am. Um, Seth's got a great heart. He's a good man. He's a man of integrity. He's not perfect because he's after his takes after his dad, but he's got a great heart. And we learned a long time ago to choose your battles. Not everything's a battle. I don't care about his hair. I mean, I'd give him a hard time about it. But at the end of the day, you can make that stuff go to the ground if you want to, as long as you stay the man that God wants you to be and you honor him with your life. I don't care. Choose your battles. How many of you know we need to learn to choose our battles? Not everything is worthy of taking a stand on. And when we do that, I think we lose precious opportunities that God puts in front of us to make influence in other people's life. Um, And so I think we need to be careful to know how and when to take a stand. Look at Daniel. Consider him a minute. Daniel was of the tribe of Judah, the royal family. I mean, these are the who's who, if you will, in Jerusalem. And they're taken captive and taken to a foreign land. And he didn't put up a fight. He didn't take a stand. Now, in my culture today, I'm thinking, if somebody's on our border and they're about to take us, get your guns, boys. I mean, this is our opportunity to take a stand, right? Notice Daniel didn't take a stand there. He didn't put up a fight. They take him over 500 miles away from home and and they put him in a new school. They're going to indoctrinate him. They're going to change his thinking. They're going to reprogram him, if you will. And Daniel didn't put up a fight. He didn't take a stand. 
It's interesting. Later, they even took his name. They said, you're no longer going to be called Daniel, but we're going to call you Belteshazzar. We're going to give you a pagan God's name. Daniel didn't fight. Daniel didn't take a stand. But, verse 8, Daniel was determined not to devile himself with eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. When did Daniel take a stand? He took a stand when it violated God's word. See, he was a child of God and he knew there were certain things that they were supposed to and not supposed to do. And he says, even though I'm in a pagan country and I'm away from mom and dad, there's just these things, these convictions that I have. And if I'm going to take a stand, I'm going to let some things go, but there's some things that I need to just stand firm on and I can't eat that food. It violates my conviction. It violates what God's word commands us to do. And so he took his stand. When do we take our stand? I believe when it violates God's word. There's a lot of the things that we pick up, battle over, or we, we go to battle over, that we probably need to just let go and leave alone. Daniel chose to take a stand when it violated God's word in his life. He loved God's word. In fact, later, Daniel would find out the reason for them being in captivity in the first place because he's reading the word. He's reading uh, the, the book of Jeremiah, the prophet who prophesied to the children of Israel, hey, shape up or ship out. If you don't, if you don't fix this stuff, your, your neighbor Israel has already been scattered by the Assyrians, and, and God's going to allow you to also be punished if you don't do the right thing. And they didn't do the right thing, and they were sent into captivity for 70 years. Jeremiah said that specifically. Daniel's reading it later and goes, that's why we're here. And this is how long we're here for. Daniel was committed to the Word of God. The Word of God was important to him, and that's where he took his stand. That's when he took his stand. Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I think that we need to learn to hide God's Word in our heart that we may not sin against him. Amen? Compare that to the king in his time. It says... King Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim is number 18 out of 20 kings. There's a 400-year period there, the divided kingdom. The northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. Um, you had 19 kings in the northern kingdom, and you had 20 kings in the southern kingdom. None of the kings in the Israel in the northern kingdom were any good. They all did evil in the sight of the Lord. Out of all 19, zero were good. In the southern kingdom, um, eight of the 20 were good kings. Jehoiakim was not one of the good kings. So Jehoiakim, a, a king of Israel, God's people, king of Israel, it says in Jeremiah later that as Jeremiah is reading the scroll that King Jehoiakim sent next to a fire and as the reading part of the scroll, he just has his attendant rip part of the scroll off and he throws it into the fire to keep warm with. There's others are saying, hey, don't, don't do that. That's the scroll, the word of God. Don't do it. But that's how much he disrespected the word of God. Contrast that with Daniel who says, and I, wanna, I don't want to violate my convictions in what God's word commands us to do. I would say this. He knew how and he, and he knew when to take his stand. So how did he take that stand? Well, notice it says when they said they were to eat from the king's table and the king's wine, he didn't stand up and go, nope, not going to do it. it. Violates my convictions. You can all just go fly kite. I ain't doing it. It doesn't say that he said that. It says he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. And he goes on to say, hey, just let us eat vegetables and water. That is acceptable, the vegetable part and water. So let's do that for 10 days and watch us. And if you see after 10 days that we look better than our counterparts, then let us, let us have that diet while we're here. I, I can't let it 
violate my convictions. And so he didn't say no, but he, he, he approached it from a kind of a compromising position there, but he did take a stand. He still took a stand. He stood on his conviction. He says, I can't eat this. It violates God's word. And so please let us eat the, the vegetables. It says that God gave him favor, respect, and affection for Daniel. And so we know that that's what happened. But I would say that we need to know how and when to take a stand. Not everything is a battle. Amen? Parents, can I tell you how to win with your kids? Not everything's a battle. Choose your battles. Not everything matters. These things that are not eternal, they don't matter. And I know people, and I've been kind of in that same boat, uh, that have been affected by people who made everything a battle, and they've pushed me further and further away from where I needed to be. They can almost become more abrasive than healing and bringing people closer to God. Are you catching what I'm throwing? So if everything's a battle, we're going to lose the influence that God has called us to in our communities and our nations, even in a pagan nation. We need to know when and how to Take a stand. Hmm. So we need to make up our minds ahead of time. We need to know when and how to take our stand, to choose our battles. When it violates God's word, then we can say, hey, listen, I've just got a conviction. This is what God's word says, and I just can't go down that road, and I'm going to take a stand. He's like, why is it important? Why can't we just sit back and coast until the Lord calls them out of this 70 years of captivity? Because God has, has made us the salt and the light, and he wants us to influence people around us, right? And, and so if we want to take a stand, not only do we have to make up our mind ahead of time that we wouldn't sin against the Lord and, and know how and when to choose those battles or to take that stand, but we also have to believe that God will bless our efforts, I believe Daniel knew that. It's like, if I do the right thing, God is faithful. He's going to take care of me. Here's something interesting to consider. Daniel was approximately 15 to 20 years of age at this season in his life. No pressure, young men in the church. But Daniel was a stud, wasn't he? When it came to taking a stand for God, he, he said, I just can't go against my convictions. I, I had purpose in my heart that I would not sin against God by eating of the meat. And so he believed that God would bless his efforts. What was the result of what he did, of his stand? Look back at it in verse 17. It says, God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom and God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the, king, or the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them. No one impressed him as much as these guys did, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, 15 to 20-year-olds, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. I just believe that when we take a stand for the right things, when we honor God and his word, he will reward those efforts. Even in the culture that is not friendly to that stand that we take. Are you following me? It's like when we say, God, I want to I live for you. I want to honor you in this situation, in this political climate, or in this marriage, or in this group of people that I'm meeting with, and just honoring mom and dad, whatever. I want to honor you. I want to make my mind up ahead of time that I won't sin against you, but I'm going to take my stand, and I'm going to choose my battles because not everything is worth getting into the bar ditch and wrestling over. 
I'm going to take my stand, but I believe, God, that if I honor you, you're going to reward me for that. And here's what we all want. Hopefully, I don't want to waste my time on this earth. I think God's got a purpose for me. I wrestle with that. Like, God, me? Really, me? Why, why not somebody else? But I do believe God's got a purpose for each one of us. And he says that we are the salt and the light. We're to have influence in our culture. And if you know, if you continue, to, we'll look at it again next week. But Daniel had great influence over a pagan king in a pagan country that he was exiled to. That's powerful, isn't it? That's why we're talking about Daniel 2,500 years plus later. It's because he took this stand. He believed that God would bless his efforts, and the result was God did. And I believe that there's a lot of opportunities that we miss because we're not willing to take a stand. And I believe there's an opportunity or two that we miss because we take too much of a, of a stand. We need to find that balance on how to take a stand in a way that honors God for the purpose of uh, influencing people and reaching the lost for Christ. 1 Peter 2, 11, 12 says it this way for us. It says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. Say foreigners. We're talking about Daniel. He was a foreigner in a land taken captive. Peter says to Christians, you, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. How many of you know that we are foreigners here? Our, this world's not our home. It's temporary. And he says, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors that even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Give honor to who? God. We want to point people to Christ. He says we're to live our lives in such a way, even in a culture that demands that we accommodate and that we conform. If we want to dare to be a Daniel, and I believe God's calling people to stand up and to take a stand. If we're going to make a difference in our culture and our community, we have to live our lives in a way that is... That if we're, even if we're accused of doing wrong, they will see our honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So, man, think about how this applies in our own lives. You know, when you go to school, you get your friends, your social media groups, work, in our, our communities. God's looking for people to stand up, to take a stand, to stand on their convictions. Not to beat people over the head with everything that we consider is, is a worthy topic to take a stand on. But those ones that violate God's word, we need to be able to stand up and say, you know what? I just can't go there. That's not for me. And even if they come at you with all these accusations and stuff, you're like, you know what? I just have to believe that God knows and God will reward me for, for taking this stand. And hopefully, hopefully, one day my stand will have a positive impact on somebody else's life. And they'll look at me and say, you know what? I believe there's something about that that I need to, to know, and I want to I honor the same God that they honor. I want to follow the same God that they follow. So let me just tell you this. You know, we've all made mistakes in life. Anybody in the room that hasn't made a mistake in, in your life, um, you know, I've just got news for you. You're making a mistake by admitting that, right? We're, we're, we're all sinners. We all fall short. And so there may be times in your life when you haven't thought ahead and you put yourself in an environment that caused you to not take a stand or maybe you blew it big time. I just want you to know, I don't care who you are, I don't care what you've done, I don't care how bad it is in your life. We serve a God who is loving and forgiving and his mercy is new every morning. You need to hear that. That's good news, right? 
And God can take that brokenness. God can take those mistakes. God can even take that rebellion. Romans 8, 28 says, For we know that God causes all things, even the bad mistakes, to work together for good for those that love him and are called according to purpose. It's like God can use it all. Even if we make all the mistakes, God has just this way of going, you know what, I, that's messy, but I can use that. You know what, I, I see what they went through here, I can use that. And he has a way to take all things and work them together for your good. That's encouraging, right? So nothing's wasted. So if you've made those mistakes, I just want to encourage you, man, just to come to Jesus and admit it and go, hey, I admit I've made mistakes and I'm not always taking a stand. And you know what, I've got a work situation where I need to take a stand. I need my voice to be heard, but I'm going to do it in a way that honors God to not violate my convictions any longer. I want to take a stand. Maybe you're here today and you've not placed your faith in Christ. And you're like, man, I don't even know where to start. Can I just tell you the most important decision that you and I can make in our life is to place our faith in Jesus. At the end of the day, it's not going to matter how much money we make or what we do for a living or how many friends we have or any of those things. It's what do we do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if if you're here today and you've not placed your faith in Christ, please hear me saying that's the most important thing that you can do. But as a Christian, can I just challenge you in the culture that we live in today to not be content with just going with the flow? To not be content with just keeping silent when something that absolutely violates, and I'm not saying that you go out of your way to find those battles, but when it's brought to your front door, that you're willing like Daniel to say, you know what, I need to take a stand here because this violates God's word in my life, and and I got to say, no, dare to be a Daniel. I believe he's calling us to stand up. I believe he's calling us to to be witnesses and to be an example to a world that is around us, And, and what happens is if we... If we're passive on everything, well, that's not influence, is it? But the same same thing is true on the other end of the spectrum. If we're taking up battles on everything, that can almost have a detrimental effect as well. And so finding this balance, how do we find this balance? Like Daniel in a foreign country when things were not favorable to him, even though he was out of his homeland, his homeland wasn't out of him, and he honored God in his life. I just believe God's calling us to do the same. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for the example of Daniel and just uh, the story that we probably heard many times. We've probably heard it preached many times. And the temptation is for us to just kind of ignore it because we already know the story. But Father, I pray that you would help us to see it from a different lens today, that we might see ourselves in the story. And while we're not physically in Babylon, Lord, spiritually speaking, we're in a system that is absolutely opposed to your ways. The more and more we try to hang on to truth, it seems the more and more we're ridiculed for it. And so, Father, I pray that today, like any other day, is just as important, and maybe even more so, for us to stand up, to take a stand for your cause. Lord, that when people look at us and they see something different in us, that it is an attractant, that it just draws people to you. So, Father, I pray that right now you'd forgive us for the times we've made those mistakes where we've not taken a stand, we've not allowed our voices to be heard. Lord, as a result, maybe we have some consequences that we're dealing with today. Father, I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. I thank you that you're forgiving God. God, I thank you that you use broken people. Father, I pray that today we would see just how important it is for us, like Daniel, to, Lord, to take our stand and to be the people you've called us to be. And I pray, God, that you would use us, Father, to draw people to you, our lives, our conduct, our speech. And Lord, also help us to just know when to put down our arms, when to not pick up a battle, not to 
to take a stand because we know it's going to do more damage. It just pushes people away from you and us. Help us like Daniel to find that balance, to know that there's a time to, a time to fight and a time not to. And I pray that we would just discern what that is. And Lord, I pray that we would do all that with hope in our heart, that if we do the right thing, that you're going to bless and honor, uh, Lord, our, our, our efforts, and that you're going to use us. Because at the end of the day, God, that's what I want. I want you to use me, Father, for your glory. And so, Lord, I pray that we would all see our place in the story today and that you would just encourage us to take a stand. Lord, you know where everybody's at. You know their hearts. You know their situations. Father, you know how to speak to each one of them. And so I pray that today, Holy Spirit, that you would just bring that conviction in our hearts, that we would walk out of here not having heard a sermon and just going back to life as usual, but that we would take a step on purpose out these doors today into our communities and in our world, daring to be a Daniel in our cultures. Lord, even when the culture around us is pushing us and trying to get us to conform and making us accommodate to its change, Lord, that we could be brave like Daniel and live a life worthy of the calling even when in Babylon. I humbly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.